So you brought up you brought up jobs. I think that's a big one. Yeah. Because if black people are going to excel and be successful, they have to have jobs and they have to be able yeah. to make money. Yep. And um, by the grace of God, some of them have and they're very wealthy. Yeah. And we're grateful. Sure. However, that's not the uh, statistics. Sure. So my question for you is, have you personally or have you observed other black friends experience uh, racism in the job world when they were just as fully qualified as a white guy and maybe there was just a certain image the company wanted to have or sure. you know, a certain appearance they wanted to have? Yeah. Um, not, not personally, I don't think. Um, and you know, what's so easy about things is like, statistics can always be argued because they tell a certain side of the story, right? Without sharing other factors sometimes. Yeah. Um, but again, like going back to even like some of the conversation we had about George Floyd, like if there are isolated events, right? They may not be specifically have a racial bias to it or mm -hmm. be racist in and of itself. Yeah. Um, but when they become like the norm to where a statistic actually becomes being formed, yeah. there's a problem that we have to be able to speak into, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, like I, you know, I don't want to, I don't mean to pivot, but like there are no real examples I can give as far as people not being able to get jobs because of their names or, or things personally. But that, but that doesn't mean that it, it doesn't, doesn't exist. But right. I'm grateful that you, you're saying that because yeah. it means at least there's been some improvement. Sure. <laughs> right? yeah. yeah. Like it's not like our, our cult, our country is not going to hell. So that's good. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> it might. We'll see. Um, but I will say, like, when it comes to, like, different experiences of just injustice and racial bias, like, like there have been moments where um, I remember I was at a, at a school one time and um, there was a white teacher and I was living in Memphis at the time, which Memphis, by the way, predominantly black, but I was at a school that was uh, mainly white, probably 20 to 30 percent black um, at our school. And so I was there and I was in the classroom and there were multiple instances where I'd walk into classrooms because, you know, I was in youth ministry. I got to hang out with kids, got to say hi. And so, um, but there was this one teacher specifically that um, whenever there was a white kid that was doing something wrong, it was like a quick, hey, stop it. And then move on to the lesson and keep going, right? As any teacher should, right? Like, hey, mm -hmm. stop doing that or you'll get detention or you'll get in trouble, right? Call your parents. Normal stuff. Um, but there was this one instance that I walked in and there was... Um, these two black kids, um, and one was talking to another, just whispering quietly, like for a moment during the lesson. And this teacher stops the entire lesson and for 15 minutes just starts berating this kid for talking during class. Like starts asking all of these questions, like why are you talking? What were you talking about? What are all these things? And like just continuously going on and like embarrassing this kid because this kid just couldn't answer. He was saying something quietly. Um, whether or not he was allowed to speak in class was a whole different story, right? You're not supposed to talk while your, your teacher is teaching a lesson, right? But the experience that she handled when she was talking to a white kid versus talking to a black kid was just apparently obvious. And that was an issue that I got to witness firsthand um, where like, again, it's not just isolated issues that come up, but it's like when you see these patterns start to come up, you start to ask these questions like, what were some of the motives behind this? Um, and I think the biggest thing that I would say, especially for, for Christians, is like not to hold on to a, like a guilt saying, oh, like we as white conservative Christians, 
um, we should feel guilty for all these things that have happened, right? There's a time for us to lament and to mourn when things happen and tragedies happen um, in real time. But also there's a time for us to be able to become more aware so that when we live out this life that Jesus calls us to do, we're able to see when people are obviously suffering. Like I think of the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? There were two people who were um, believers in God, right? They were following and they saw this Samaritan who was hurt, right, robbed. I'm sorry, there was a person on the side of the road who was robbed, right? And they did nothing about it. They just kept going their own way. But this Good Samaritan, someone who was a completely different ethnicity, saw this person who was hurt on the side of the road, decided to help and do the thing that was that Jesus would have done for us, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really great response for us. Is like, we have to be able to have an awareness and be able to say, I'm gonna step in and do what Jesus would have done in this situation, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not like we're gonna overturn systemic oppression overnight, right? It's not like we're gonna overthrow uh, any, <laughs> you know, any different system that is um, continuously starting to um, create racial bias or all these different things. Um, but if you have a platform, use it for the glory of God, right? If you have a chance to be able to say, hey, this isn't right, we're called to be able to do justice and to love mercy, right? Love the things that God loves and for our hearts to break for whatever God's heart breaks for situations and places. Um, another great example is like uh, the woman at the well, right? She was a Samaritan. She was someone that was completely different, had different experience than the Israelite Jews during that time. And yet Jesus met her where she was at, spoke to her, didn't walk around Samaria to get to the place that he was going, but actually went intentionally into a diverse city, into a diverse area, and spoke kindly to this woman and gave her life, right? And that's what, it, for us to be an example of that, means to start reversing the systemic injustice that we start seeing all throughout history um, without, realize, without going over and beyond saying that we are God, right? We don't wanna be mm -hmm. God to these people. We wanna recognize that Jesus is going to return and he's gonna call all people back to mm -hmm. him, that all nations will come and, and worship the one true king. Um, but also during this time, like in a, in a broken world where there is systemic injustice, to be called to be light in the midst of darkness. AJ, when you talk about systemic injustice or systemic oppression, yeah. are systems racism or racist or are people racist? <laughs> yeah, to call people racist now is like the worst thing ever, right? Like it's just like, like it's shocking. no one wants to be that. <clears throat> no one wants to be but, that. But yeah, and I think probably all of our listeners, by the grace of God, would say, yeah. hey, if someone's being racist and judging somebody or devaluing them because of the way they look, that's wrong. Yeah. So it's good that you're giving us examples of when p this is actually still happening. Yeah. Because um, I think, again, there's that distance. Mm -hmm. But like, could we, could we all agree that it's the people that are the problem yeah. and the people need to change and we need to keep preaching equality because yeah. Jesus made us in the image of God. Yeah. We believe in racial reconciliation as yeah. Christians. So are people racist or are systems racist? Yeah, so I would say, uh, I would hesitate to call all people racist, right? But there is bias and there are stereotypes, right? There are stereotypes for white people too, right? That um, like systems are created by people, right? And if we acknowledge that there are people that are broken that have a sense of bias towards something that ends up becoming a pattern, then eventually that starts to become a system, right? A thing that is a continuous thing that happens. Like, that's what a system is. A system does 
what the pattern is supposed to be doing, right? It's what the pattern mm -hmm. creates. So if there's a pattern for racial bias towards something, even if it's as small as a Band-Aid, right? That starts to become a pattern and a system over time that continues to be built up that starts to spread like a wildfire, right? And that's what the reality of sin is. Like sin is something that continues to fester and to grow more and more until it infects everything, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. so as we talk about like systemic injustice, like it's being able to recognize that there are people that have inclinations towards something that is not God honoring, mm -hmm. that continue to be a pattern that is not stopped at the root, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. part of that is the uprooting of sin is Jesus returning to make all things new, right? Yeah. Um, and so that's where our hope comes from. And yet at the same time, Jesus is calling us to be salt and light into the world, right? To be reflections of his image towards the rest of the world. Um, and just from the examples that we just talked about, like Jesus was clearly not racist. Jesus clearly loved justice and loved mercy and walked humbly with God, right? Like mm -hmm. he, he yeah. engaged with people who systemically like were so far apart, like even tax collectors, right? Like there was a stereotype against tax collectors that they were thieves, that they were terrible people. And yet Jesus calls one of them to be his disciple, to follow after him. Jesus is coming in and breaking systems of injustice mm -hmm all across the three years of his ministry that he was doing, right? And he's calling us to be able to do the same as well, mm -hmm. to look at people as people, as images of God, yeah. um, to be able to carry out the mission that he's called us to do, so. All right, so I'm gonna go in a slightly different direction. Okay. So AJ, what would you say about, what would you say to someone who's like, well, all right, we can clearly see that there's some neighborhoods that are predominantly black where there's a lot of poverty and there's a lot of crime and it's not right it's terrible how are they supposed to get out of this and um, the question I have for you is is there anything that can be said about focusing on the family or um, the value of women um, or uh, men committing to the women, men valuing marriage in communities and valuing parenting in communities. Because obviously in a, lot of, in a lot of communities, actually black or white, so this is true of black or white communities, where there's poverty, there tends to sure. be a lot of broken sure. families. And I just want to pause. Can I just say, like, this is not just a black and white conversation, but like all ethnicities, Thank you. right? There are other ethnicities that face uh, systemic injustice, right? That's not just black people. Um, there are other people, right? Like. Yes. Asian Pacific Islanders, right? Like they experience injustice all the time as well. So anyways, I just wanted to yes. make that clear. And I want to make myself clear too. So wherever there is poverty, sure, there tends to be a lot of broken families mm -hmm. in our culture, whether it's a white community or a black community. Okay. My question is, what's the healing? Yeah. How are they supposed to rise up out of that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah the biggest thing is like being able to speak into when there is inequality um, or inequity, right, where people don't have an opportunity for that. So, you know, I think the more that we can serve other nonprofits that are caring for people in those realms, right, like whether mm -hmm. it's homelessness, right, or houselessness, um, okay. whether it's poverty, um, whether it's like your neighborhood that's right next door, like I've seen, so every day I, um, I crossed Colfax on Dallas and do you know where I'm talking about? I do man. Okay. Colfax is notorious in Denver. Col Colfax is notorious 
But Dallas specifically is really interesting because when you're when you're crossing, um, when you're about to get to Colfax, there are a ton of Hispanic, Latino, uh, black people, men specifically, that are outside in these built like outside of these buildings that are looking for work. And I'm mm -hmm. assuming that it is like more so like immigrant workers, right? That's just my assumption. Like I haven't had the chance, yeah. but I've been, I've literally every day that I pass by there, I literally ask the Lord, I'm like, Lord, what do you require of me to do, right? And there are times where I see like churches and different organizations and stuff will literally pull up into a parking lot and open up their trunk and they'll just serve coffee to people, right? Yeah. Like something that is so small, yeah, but yet so probably impactful right, for people to say, hey, we actually care about you, right? Mm -hmm. um, and unfortunately, that's just the system in which we live in in our country. Like, I get to see people who are desperately looking for jobs to probably care for their families on an everyday basis. Like, they take that prayer mm -hmm. of like, give us this day our daily bread really seriously, right? Um, and so for me, like, every time that I pass through that, I'm like, what is something that I can do? What is something that we can do as far as actionable steps towards that? And I think it's just being able to have, one, having an awareness that these things are happening in our city, like, right now. Um, yeah. And then, two, is, like, being able to pray to the Lord, like, what are you requiring of me, Lord, in this moment? Is it for me to buy donuts, like, on a day off so I can serve to people and just give yeah. out? Um, is it conversations that I need to have? Is it working with an organization that is struggling to keep up because there's so much need that's out there? Mm -hmm. um, are there other organizations that I can give financially to to be able to serve in that way? Um, to be able to provide for them to be able to have resources for people. So I think it's just like the small things that we can do within our vocation that where we're called um, and being able to see where there is injustice that's happening mm -hmm. right in our city, right in our neighborhoods that happens on a daily basis. Yeah, so. okay. Does there need to be in those communities where there's more poverty, more of a focus on family, fatherhood, marriage, yeah. more elevating that? Does that help? Um, you know, yes and no, probably, right? Um, like the amount of fatherlessness that happens across our country is staggering, right? I mean, divorce rate is really high among especially boomers. Um, so I think, you know, the more that we can talk about what does it look like to create systems where families are cared for, whether it's premarital counseling, right? Um, seeking that out or seeking counseling for people that need it, that can't afford it, right? Um, like mental health is a big issue, right? Mm -hmm. in, our, oh, yeah. in our country. Um, there's education problems, right? When it comes to poverty, um, that you know some people don't have the means to be able to go to schools that are, that are great and have great education and great teachers or great resources <coughs> to allow for them to have textbooks and accessible resources for them to be able to have education, right? We know that education goes a long way. Oh yeah. Right? Um, so there's, I think it's a multifaceted thing. Um, it's not just one thing where we say, if we fix one problem, it all. Okay, that's, so it's like what you're saying is, yeah, we're for fatherhood, we're for marriage, yeah. all that's gonna be very helpful, right. but yet that doesn't just solve everything if there's all these other external factors that are in your face. Sure. Right? Sure. Okay, I wanna go in a slightly other okay. um, controversial direction. <clears throat> okay. okay, music. Okay. I don't care about the genre, okay? Okay. But if it's devaluing women and it's just like all about bumping and grinding and then, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, 
how does that does that help people like get out of mindsets of and I'm not just talking black people I'm talking about all people okay. black people white people I know I use bumping and grinding so that was a bad example um, but <laughs> take us back to the 1990s I know here we go it shows my age but whatever the genre whatever the musician if it is not helping people get out of these mindsets of yeah let's just keep having casual sex and having babies out of wedlock and think that that's going to help them have a better chance at um, improving their lives or whatever um, I don't know does that does that should that be a part of the conversation more uh, yeah I mean music is a very cultural thing that people engage with um, I also think music brings people together um, nowadays uh, I feel like um, people don't listen to the lyrics as, as much maybe they do I mean Taylor Swift is a big has a big fan base because of her lyrics. They just cut big, I'm a Taylor Swift fan. She cuts right to the heart, right? Like she really gets into it. Um, but I think more specifically when it comes to like musicians, um, like it's a realization that these people have platforms, right? Like mm -hmm. in the same way that politicians have platforms, hmm. like in the same way that a pastor has a platform, right? In the same way that anybody has a platform, the way that you use your platform has an influence on people, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think people are, are influenced by music. Mm -hmm. um, now, I don't know what the statistical value is of people who listen to like, yeah. you know, music about drugs and sex. Like, does that lead them to engage in that? Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. Um, probably in the yeah. same way that, that our media does as well, right? Like yeah. watching Netflix. Mm -hmm. um, so I think overall, I'm sure it does have an effect. But more so, when we talk about systems, we have to talk about the people in the systems that have platforms and power. You could either use it for good or you can use it for evil, right? Yeah. And, and I think for us as Christians, like maybe we don't have as high as platforms as a Taylor Swift, right? Or, or a Jay-Z, right? But at the same time, we still have a platform over our kids, over the people around us, over our coworkers, over our friends, over people who are non-Christian, and how do we use that platform? Do we use it to, to look at other people from, from the top down, right, and see people as less than? Mm -hmm. Or do we, do we start to elevate people and say, hey, you're in a broken place? And not to have a white savior complex, right? Mm -hmm. It's not to be able to say, I'm going to save you, but I wanna be able to lead you to the one who can save you, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And there's so many different ways that we can engage in that. Yeah, okay, very good. Well, AJ? Anything else on your heart that you want to share about this topic? I think we crushed it. I think we solved it, actually. We solved everything. Yeah, solved everything. No, I would just say, I think the biggest thing, as far as encouragement for people, is um, like if there are people of color in your life, right? Mm -hmm. um, people who are di different ethnicity, um, like you're Lebanese. Like, I'd love to learn more about your culture, right? I think there's... We got to take you to um, Phoenician kebab on Colfax. Ooh. I'm totally down. You had me. You had me at, you had me at food. <laughs> right? I had you at Jerusalem. Um, at Jerusalem, uh, yes. At university. Yes. That was delicious. <laughs> yeah, still good. Um, I would just say to engage with people and to be able to seek out, like, what are some of the stories that people have experienced? Because the statistics may not tell. They may tell a certain story, and people's experiences may tell a different story or might share in the same story that lead to some of the statistics that we see, right? So, And then also being able to have an awareness for there are patterns that have happened with people, with stereotypes, with biases, that have led to systems being created 
in order to like lift up those stereotypes, to lift up those biases. And if we are not aware as Christians, then we have no idea of how to engage best in those conversations, in those changes that the Lord has for us, right? And I, again, I just want to reiterate that Micah 6, 8, that great requirement that's been given to us, like to do justice, to love, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. Thank you, AJ. If you're listening, I think that likely we would all agree all human beings are created in the image of God and we're equal. We have dignity, value, and worth regardless of our race and that nobody should be treated differently or devalued because of their race. I think probably, I imagine, the difference, the disagreement may be, are there actually still people being treated unfairly because of their race? I think the, but first I want to establish the fact and the common ground that we do have unity on racism, but then second, my encouragement would be you know, we, we are so, it's so easy for us to get in our bubble and just know the people we know, listen to the podcasts we listen to, listen to the news shows we listen to. But what I wanted to do today is help us hear a different perspective. And I want to encourage you as a follower of Christ, try to listen to people that are giving you more information than what you already have. AJ gave us some additional information today, probably for some of us. I want to encourage you to read. Listen, let, let's listen to our black friends. Let's listen to what they're saying their experience is like. Um, if we don't listen, we're going to just stay in our bubble and we're just going to know the same people and the same podcast and the same pundits we know. So um, I, don't, I actually don't think we're that, we don't have to be that divided on this topic if we're willing to listen and uphold our theology, dignity, value, and worth, image bearers of God, is what God created all people in. And so, I hope you enjoyed the show today. If you have any questions about anything we discussed on this show, again, AJ Vega is available, aj.vega at sjdenver.org. My email is andrew.farhat at sjdenver.org. If you have a question you would like us to answer in the upcoming shows, you can submit those to hello at sjdenver.org and keep them controversial. We'll take it. Have a great day. Bye-bye.